0: Hi, this is Swapna and Ray. Welcome to Dreams and Hope podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey where we explore faith, hope, dreams in the context of lived experience of being human.
1: Thanks Swapna. How are you doing?
0: Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
1: Yeah. We have a special guest we're back uh with tim sean humans this is his third t- well it's officially his third podcast but he's only we've only met him twice yeah how are you doing Tim i'm, sean?
2: I'm good um, i'm
1: calling you tim sean because you said your friends call you tim sean so i'm just assuming that we're friends now. i think that's a good assumption all right yeah sounds good <laughs>
0: yes for sure for sure
2: <laughs> you know this is good to be back with you guys i really enjoyed the last conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you. We did too. I uh, edited a little bit too much last time, but I hope this is better. I think it's going to sound better this time. Isn't it nice to be able to edit your life? Whoa, that would be interesting.
0: Yes, erase the parts that are not perfect, right?
1: (laughs) I don't know. You got to leave some of them in there, but there are some that you'd like to (laughs) pull back. I was was doing the 25th of December. We had church because it was a Sunday and we had communion. We had um, actually, yeah, no, 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 we had, it was the first of January. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of mixing it all together. And I had different couples in our church come up and pray over specific things about the year 2023 and our church and stuff like that. Yeah. There's a guy that I've known for a long time. And I said, Hey Doug, why do not you come up? And as soon as it, like I could hear it floating in the air and it, his name's not Doug. His name's Dale. And I wanted to like swipe it out of the air and I said, your name's not Doug, your name's Dale, you know? So it's like, I'd like to like pull some of those things back, but normally, you know, mistakes are okay. Just to give, just to
2: give sort of people a peek behind the curtain that are listening. um, If you're somebody who's in those positions where you are um, curating or, you know, officiating Uh some sort of really Mm -hmm. important thing, it's easy because you feel the pressure, someone whose name you would know, Uh, I mean, easy, Yeah, you can in that moment go into a little panic. Like baptism, um, you know, <laughs> that you, is the worst. <laughs> yeah, so I got into the habit of taping somebody's name on the on the back uh-huh. of their of their robe. Yeah, and and when they saw me do it, they would be a little offended. And I said, "Trust me, I love you, I know you, but I get out there in front of everybody." And I'm gonna now, once they them. get
1: in front of everybody, they can't remember what <laughs> right. to say either. So I mean, I think yeah, yeah, it's frustrating. But it's a we have baby dedication, we've got baptism, we've got stuff that you know you just say people's names, and it is. So bad. <laughs> you, you think you've got it. And the older I get, the worse it is, I think.
2: The but. worse it gets.
0: I, I, I feel that for sure. Like even just the short-term memory changes as we grow older. And so Man. I just credit it to my wisdom, the, the the old age wisdom that's coming to all of us is uh, kind of taking out the unimportant details, such as names. And-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like how you say old age wisdom. That's that's a good spin. That's a good spin.
0: For sure. We are trading wisdom. <laughs> we are trading uh, short-term memory for wisdom. Yeah.
2: So in the Jewish tradition, I'm just going to jump right to it. Do it. It's yeah. sort of like the observant, I want to say probably more conservative, but that may be even overstating it. Part of the tradition is that God is nameless.
1: Right, Mm -hmm. right.
2: And that the way you would, if you were really observant, the way you refer to God is not by God, even saying God, God's not a name. It's like a description of a deity, but you would refer to God as God of the name, uh, Elohim Hashem, Mm -hmm. divine name. Mm. And, and then it was shortened even to you just refer to God as Hashem, the name. Um, Mm. And it's this, like, you know, the story of Moses where he sees the burning bush Yep. And he wants him to go back to to Egypt and set the people free.
0: Tell me the story. I'm not that familiar ah, with all the stories. Okay.
2: So the Israelites, um, in their history, as it's recorded in this ancient story, is they had they had moved to Egypt during a, a, a drought mm-hmm. and famine, and when they got down there, uh, they were received well because their ancestor Joseph had become governor. I mean, there's details, right? But So he makes space for them in this land in Egypt called Goshen. And so it was so good they decided to stick around. They didn't, after the famine was over, they didn't return back to their homeland. They stayed in Egypt. Well, eventually a, a, a king or a pharaoh comes to power who isn't really hip to the fact you've got these foreigners living in your land. And so he enslaves them and they stay enslaved for 400 years.
1: And it was a, how much? How many years passed? It was like several hundred years. And then it said they didn't remember his name. Like mm-hmm. they didn't remember Joseph at all. Right. So there was nobody on the radar. And it, and we think about America's 200 and some odd years old and we think it's a long history. We but have no sense of time. Yeah. yeah, but man, in that day, this was past generation, generation. And then all of a sudden there was a guy that was like, who's Joseph who? <laughs> yeah.
2: So. so Moses, you know, he's born as a slave um during a time when the pharaoh's going to i mean this is really dark he's committing infanticide he's killing the firstborn sons of the egypt of the hebrews mm-hmm. slaves to control their population and moses gets put into the basket sent down the river to spare his life by his mother his resilient mother and then he's raised by the pharaoh because the pharaoh's daughter finds him in the basket mm-hmm. but when he's gro- he finally grows up in this privileged position And then he realizes that he's Hebrew and he sort of has one of those aha moments. And in a a moment of sort of like passion and injustice, he kills an Egyptian soldier who's uh, abusing one of the Hebrew slaves and then flees.
0: Hmm.
2: He runs because he knows he's done this horrible thing. And so however many years later is when God appears to him and says, okay, I want you to go back. And I want you to be the one who confronts the Pharaoh and demands that he release these Hebrew slaves. And he says, he finally says, okay, I'll do it. But can you tell me who should I say is sending me? (laughs) And that's when in the Hebrew text, the answer that God gives is a version of a Hebrew word that was not a, a word in use. But it was similar to the root word in Hebrew for, for the verb to be. And so this is where the fun gets in. Cause it, with translation, it gets translated as God's name is, I am mm-hmm. you know, like, cause it's close to the verb to be, but probably what it's implying is God says, I am existence. Mm-hmm. I am everything right. mm-hmm. that exists. And it's those those Hebrew letters, you know. It translates in English Y H uh, W H, and it sometimes gets pronounced as Yahweh. You ever heard that
0: term? I think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but technically, you're not supposed to say it.
1: Right. It's supposed to be um, like a breath, like a yeah, yeah.
2: Like if you yeah. In fact, I heard a rabbi once say, "If you try to pronounce you, these these consonants, Yod He Vah." He, If you tried to pronounce Y H W H, what you would get is.
1: That's the breath.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, So fast forward thousands of years, and Jesus is on the scene, and they asked him, and he said, I am. He said the same, well, in Greek, I guess. He does. (laughs) Was that in Greek or was that in Hebrew? He I don't was know saying where, it in Aramaic. He was saying it in Aramaic. It got remembered yeah, and written sorry. down as yes. Greek. Right. So, but he said the same thing. He said, I am. And so he was putting himself in the same camp as this God, Yahweh, that called Moses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And went. and Moses is interesting. I mean, it's his whole story is fascinating. Um, you know, 40 years he leaves, he comes back, he's an old guy, he's 80 years old, and he's supposed to release all these Hebrew slaves. And I think for me, the most unsettling part of scripture is in Romans where Paul says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart not to let them go. Mm-hmm. And so there was this plan so that God would be glorified. Um, and it's really tough. That's hard because we, you know, today think, I oh, don't know. Everybody, everybody has free will, does what they want to do. Everybody
2: has free will all the time in every situation. Yeah. In
1: every situation. And yet.
0: But you know, it's almost not true i think you're you're bound by the context that you live in mm-hmm. the culture that uh, is an un- almost an unconscious pressure mm-hmm. to conform to and your past and the past experience, life experiences so free will is i feel it's hard to really for me to say that we have free will
1: yeah there's a debate in theology there's a debate in in philosophy, philosophy, um, yeah. there's a debate freedom, everywhere with thinkers. Yeah. Is it free will or is it, is it predetermined like a cosmos, you know, like uh, mm. something written in the stars. But for me, it's like all, destiny. it all comes down like destiny sort of, but for me, it comes down to choice and um, let's say there's someone that has just a life of, you know, evil, let's call it, or they make bad choices and they end up in prison. And then we say we're going to, they're going to do a rehab, like rehabilitate them. If there's free will, that person has a choice to change. And if not, then they're just going to continue the way they are, you know? But I think it is circumstantial based on, you know, how you process things, how you grew up, what your experiences are, but also who believes in you, what kind of hope is around you, you know, I mean, and who's encouraging you. And so, I don't know, I have a hard time saying there's no free will. But I also have a hard time saying, it's all free will. <laughs> it's this weird dance mm-hmm. between the two the two extremes.
0: Like following God's plan or, or kind of being open to having faith in the universe or just letting right. thing happen instead of saying, this is what my plan is and this is what I am going to do. Kind of, there is this more that's always floating around for me.
1: And sometimes though, we choose like today we're meeting, was this supposed to happen? We could say now that we're sitting here, it was. But before today, there's a lot of logistical challenges that we had to put on the calendar, we had to talk about it, we had to agree. I asked you to open your office. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened that were choices that we made, you know? Yeah, Um,
2: there's this old adage in evangelical Christianity, um, God loves you, which I like, that idea. But God loves you and has a plan for your life, a wonderful plan your life. Yep, This is one of the four Roman, the four spiritual laws. And that's the first one. And I like the idea that God loves you, but I, I remember always wondering, does God have a plan for your life? Um, maybe a, gen, a general plan, but I don't know about right. a specific plan. Right. Um, but I find even um, th- that students here in, in my religion classes, that that's their default position. Hmm. That God is sort of moving all the chess pieces. Hmm. And And they don't have to do anything. I think it's their way of honoring the idea of God. Okay. You know, God is in control. God is all powerful. So surely God is moving all the pieces. Hmm. uh,
1: Because it would be really, it wouldn't be humble to say that if he's all powerful, then he is. But then he invites humanity in the process. There's this idea that God turned you know, the the creator God, let's put him that way, like not just God in general, the creator turned over um, stewardship, dominion over the earth. And he there's an idea that he doesn't do anything on earth without man's will. And so he submits his will to man's will because he won't overstep that dominion he's handed over to man. And so if he's handed over dominion of the world, and he's said, be fruitful and multiply and all that, he works. And he influences and he calls, but then it's up to man to choose to to listen and then God will submit to it. And there's this idea that God partners with man. He 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 believes so much in the authority that he's given that even he will restrain himself from that authority. Right. So
2: But it's still God it's God's action or God's right, will. Right. Saying, I'm gonna let you
1: Right. So he's still in charge, but
2: <laughs> right.
1: But it's hard because you gotta really think through it. You can either be fatalistic about it. You can either be like, "Me, okay, whatever. Or you can say, well, I have opportunities. Am I going to take them or not?
2: And we're talking about this because of my name.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: Because <laughs> you're introduced. But you guys have actually talked about this in your previous we podcast,
1: we right? We have Swapna talked about and a little Ray. bit.
2: A little bit, yes. yeah. Hope, hope and dream,
0: right? Yep. Yes. We yes. of hope and dreams.
1: Yep. Swapna means dreams.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: And that's what we first talked about. Like the very first encounter we had was that conversation, which that was part of the conversation. There was a lot more than that, but that was one of the very first things that that Swapna said, my name means dream. And I was like, nightmares are good dreams. You know, we kind of went and laughed <laughs> about this thing. And then um, as we were talking, she goes, I, I said, my name's Ray. She goes, oh, a ray of hope. And it was just kind of like, boop. It's was kind of, it was well,
2: interesting. I, so I, I may have said this in our last podcast. I don't like small talk. Yeah. Getting, did I say yes, this? Yes, we
0: talked about it. Yeah. Like, we really, like medium
2: talk,
1: right?
0: Or dig deep.
2: Big talk is therapy, which is what you do. <laughs> <know. laughs> no, 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 <laughs> and I, <laughs> not always. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and by the way, by the way, uh, Doctor uh, Deshpande.
0: Swapna, Swapna is good.
2: I, I know, but I'm saying Doctor Dishpande because anytime you want to give me free therapy, I will take it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, tell us uh, tell us like your job because uh, we've we talked about it a little bit last time, but just to remind the context that we're talking about, because they're like, who's this guy talking about Moses and Yahweh and, and the breath and all that stuff? So, so tell us about your vocation, your day job. So,
2: I'm an Episcopal priest, and but I I get to do a very specific kind of work. I'm a I'm a priest and a chaplain and a religious educator in an Episcopal prep school, Cassidy School in Oklahoma City, where your kids, yes, our, my kids, our go students.
0: And, uh... They... In fact, I have
2: your son in my seventh grade Bible class right now and he's not flunking.
1: Yay. <laughs> no, good
0: to know. <laughs> you know, I have always been curious about just spiritual spirituality in addition to the day-to-day living. And uh, this is just such an interesting thing because I, I believe there is more than just what we can see, observe, and perceive. Like what what we just go through day-to-day living i believe that there is more and that takes faith i think that's a leap of faith for all of us because it's un- the unseen and that's what kind of draws us in today in this conversation mm-hmm. because we're just kind of like like trying to figure it out in our own ways in our own perspectives from where we stand which is very very different for all three of us we are very different people so our perspectives are quite unique in that sense mm-hmm. I would be curious for for your journey. Like I know you've had a long journey, and uh, I would be curious about how you reached them.
2: I don't even know where to begin. And if you want, to, I don't remember what we talked about last
1: time. We talked about you being a student pastor, and then at forty or so, you or My thirty forty, crisis. you kind of yeah, yeah, you kind of shifted gears, and it cost so, you as much as a lamborghini ferrari whatever it was <laughs> i should have bought i could have i could have bought a sports car yeah yeah there you go <laughs> um, I <like> that.
2: <laughs> but i you know i grew up in wyoming i don't know if i talked about uh-uh. that wow no. i was a hopelessly religious kid really
0: oh yeah
2: loved it um it, we went to this little tiny baptist church in wyoming It was just down the street. I remember because the big Baptist church, the First Baptist church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, they sent a bus around to pick up kids. And we hadn't really been going. We just moved to Cheyenne and we hadn't been going to church yet. My mom hadn't, you know, pulled the trigger on picking one and going. And we asked if we could get on the bus Mm -hmm. for First Baptist because they would give you a full sized. Snickers bar.
1: Ooh. Bribing the kids. Absolutely. <laughs> and I
2: remember That's my good. mother, when she found that out, she was like, absolutely not. You are not going to that church. That's not why you go. And so then that sort of pushed her to take us to the, that little church down the, down the street. And it was a pretty, I think, progressive Baptist church, all things considered. Our pastor was kind of a, uh environmentalist. This was back in the Hmm. In the wow. late seventies, early eighties, uh, he he would take us backpacking.
1: Oh, interesting! That was his yeah, thing. fun.
2: And uh, but I loved it all. Remember, I f- in fact, as a little kid, I remember it, in Sunday school we would do crafts, right? You mm-hmm. know, like the little macaroni or whatever thing, right? And the teenagers down the hall and across were reading the Bible and talking about it, and I was so insanely jealous. Wow. Oh my
1: god! Because you're doing a craft.
2: Yeah, like I wanted to get in there and mix it up and talk yeah. about, you know, all mm. the things. Mm. Um, so,
0: yeah. So you were intellectually curious as well. Like it sounds like you were, you're curious about like just the ideas that that they were talking about in addition to the faith and the the relig- the spiritual thing that that it brought with it.
2: My mom's smart. And my, her sisters and brothers, are, are they come from a pretty heady cerebral family. Mm-hmm. And so I think some of that was baked in. And then my dad, who was blue-collar, started college but didn't finish, um, he was a musician. Yeah. And uh, so he, I think, gave me kind of that artistic mm. impulse. Um, but this is where the therapy comes in. Mm. Because in my high school, my parents divorced – my mom remarried and he and I eventually had conflict, you mm. know, the wicked stepdad. And, uh, it was bad enough that a family therapist at one point said, you, you, you probably need a break from each other. Wow. Um, can, can, can your son, me, can, it, can he go stay somewhere for the summer, like with grandparents or something, just give everybody a breather. And, uh,
0: how old were you when this happened 17 17
2: and i i'd kind of gotten away from church stuff uh i'd really gotten more into a a girl Mm -hmm. her name was buffy
1: vampire slayer she was not a vampire (laughs) slayer (laughs) but that was her given name on her birth certificate b-u-f-f-i oh interesting
2: um and she was (laughs) a cheerleader um, and I just, well, I was in, in love as much as a high school kid could be mm. in love. Uh-huh. And, uh And so for the summer, I, I came down to Oklahoma and spent the summer. Really?
1: Okay. I was wondering how the, how Oklahoma got in the picture. Yep. And. So your grandparents lived in Oklahoma?
2: Yep. Bartlesville. Okay. Yeah. And when I got here, it was pretty evident, evident to me if I didn't make some friends that summer, I was going to be pretty bored. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So church was not foreign to me. So I said, well, I'll just go to the youth group thing at church. Hmm. And it was this huge youth group. They don't do that in Wyoming. Right. But in the South, in the Bible Belt, they had these huge youth groups. And so I went and made a couple friends and then met a girl. Hmm. And it was like the movie Grease.
0: Hmm.
2: Some love. I was going to say we can start singing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and you guys are going to think I'm making this up, but her name was Gigi.
1: Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> So that, what year would that be? 1986. Okay. My wife was born in Bartlesville oh. in 1975, but she didn't live there very long. So they were there a few years. Yeah. And then they moved.
2: It's a really so, affluent town.
1: Yeah. Oil back in the day, you know, Kinda 66. Kind not, of
2: not real in that sense.
1: Philip 66. Yeah. 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 My father in law worked for the 66ers. He was, a, they hired him out of School of the Ozarks to be a basketball player. Right. Um, and uh, then they made him collect credit card stuff. I don't know. So they were there for a few years and then he kind of moved around with oil. So, so yeah, Bartlesville is interesting. What church was it? Do you remember? First Baptist. First Baptist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got several friends there that are pastors still to this day. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But that youth group was, uh, doing something that many Oklahoma teens do. They go to this place called Falls Creek. Uh Have you ever
0: heard of it? Yeah. Yep. For sure.
2: Oh my gosh. It's a cultural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen anything like this as a Wyoming kid that went to this little doinky. Mm-hmm. Baptist Church. Yeah. Uh, we we showed up, and there was five thousand teenagers. Wow, gosh, That was just one week. Wow. And that was back when Falls Creek still met in an outdoor tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And there was no air conditioning. And it was so conservative that you were not allowed to wear shorts. Wow, Wow. and and I just remember, you know, I was kind of having this summer romance with this girl. I was getting interested in God again. Hmm. Those two things were, <laughs> they were tangled up yeah. with each other. Wow. And I remember being in that tabernacle and it was, everybody was sweating and there was perfume and there was, there were people were screaming about God and, <laughs> and it was this beautiful <laughs> you girl. You have some images and, there. <laughs> yeah, back oh, in the 80s, it was just uh, this soup of yeah, teenage oh, hormones yeah. and guilt and yep.
1: redemption and... Long uh, altar calls? I mean, was there any of that stuff? Yeah, oh, yeah, and that like, was new to me. Like an hour? Pfft, that, that drove me yeah. nuts. But yeah, yeah. Altar call is when they they give a message and then they invite people to the front to make a decision, public. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just in your seat, private. You come forward Publicly. to make a declaration. And they're like, I mean, they'll play the music, they'll do the heartstrings, manipulate you, yeah. and rah! You'll, you'll so what are you
0: supposed now. to decide about?
1: Jesus mainly, You're but gonna, there's people that are like in relational problems and I need right. to leave my girlfriend or boyfriend or, yeah. or I need to burn that CD tape at the time. You know, or I need to, I need to change my friends or I need to, I mean, there's all sorts of decisions <laughs> like spiritual decisions, uh, stop doing drugs or stop yeah. drinking. I mean, there's all this stuff mm-hmm. mainly though. Tighten it up, tighten up yeah. your life. <laughs> yeah, t- make it better, be better.
0: Make make better choices. Like be choices. Better. Yeah. yeah.
1: But really guilt driven. Be better, and I'm not saying it was all bad. I think there was some that were Billy Graham. I don't know if you've ever seen mm. Billy Graham and his his uh, preaching. And then they'll call people, and people would walk to the front. And really, the the main thing is they would say is Jesus, like come here, and you'll meet Jesus right here at the altar.
2: And then he'll, and then you'll figure it out with Jesus. And then
1: yeah, everything will be yeah,
0: good. The epiphany will come.
1: Yes, and then you'll you know all that stuff that we're talking about free will. It'll all be taken care of because Jesus will be your right. you know king.
2: So, well, and I've always said this. I, you guys might find this interesting. So, when someone is an alcoholic or a drug addict, um, it's often said in that system for them to to find um, to turn things around, they have to hit rock bottom. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so, part of what an intervention is when you gather friends mm-hmm. to you know read letters, you're bringing the bottom to rise. You're raising the bottom up. Yep. You're bringing rock bottom to them rather than waiting to get there on mm-hmm. their own. You're creating tension. And that revivals yeah. are essentially like this like meta intervention. Yeah. That they're trying to convince you of your need for God. Mm.
1: Um, yeah, existential. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it as far as the rock bottom. They're, raised, they're trying to bring the bomb to you. Really, I've heard people say you got to you gotta lead people to be lost before they can be found. Mm-hmm. And most people just live not knowing they're lost, you know. And so that's kind of the the idea behind it. But I, I grew up in a similar situation. I wasn't Southern Baptist, but Baptist, independent Baptist. And it was very similar. And I look back on some of it and I'm like, okay, some of it was positive, um, like the youth group thing and the... Yeah the community and the camaraderie and the Bible, the very, and asking very deep meaningful Bible questions. asking questions. All like the good. big questions in yes. life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. But then you get to some parts where you're like, someone took over. You know how music can manipulate you? You can you can actually create music to manipulate people's emotions. And so mm-hmm. they'll take the music and they'll take a good speaker and they'll take kind of a, you know, like can you touch he- can you touch the fire of hell? And they'll get you in a, a situation where they're just like scaring you to make a good decision and that stuff I that's where therapy comes in I think (laughs)
2: because
1: then you're like making decisions without all the information and then later on in life you begin to question it because Mm -hmm. it wasn't this gradual understanding it was just like I realize I'm about to fall off a cliff right now Mm -hmm. I need you to save me you know and it's unfortunate
0: you know in our podcast we've talked a lot about Mm self-compassion and the guilt and the shame that that people work through and just having self-compassion to really guide some of that journey. So I feel that must have been so hard because it's like essentially a conflict between the guilt that that is almost a guiding principle sometimes to yeah. to do the right thing. Well,
1: well you didn't little, even know that was happening. A then, little though. guilt's good, right? I think, well...
0: A little guilt, maybe, maybe having a moral compass
1: maybe guilt and not shame i think i think when yeah. guilt turns into shame or is paired with shame that's when it's dangerous right. Th- that's, that's where language. that's
2: where we want language to come to our assistance we want right. to make a distinction between healthy impulses in this mm-hmm. general right. milieu and and toxic ones
1: so like like if you're going to go to the store and you see something and you want to take it and you want to not pay for it there should be a little pang of right maybe it's guilt maybe it's conscience maybe it's whatever it is that should stop you from doing that. And if you do take it to make reparations, you know? So I think that's the positive side of it. But I think in our world, self-compassion was not on the radar because it was never talked about. It was more get here to this, whatever the starting point is. And then after that, you're on your own kind of, you know, and it's kind of like you're left, you're really left trying to figure out what life is about and how do I live with with temptation and how do I live with, you know, I have a girlfriend and, and we have this temptation to do things and they're telling me not to do this stuff. And then that's wrong. And except the whole thing is not wrong. And you know what My it's whole, like this whole body thing is, is like, saying yes. Yes, exactly. And so it's like, <laughs> you're trying to figure it out. And, and, in, and in, in, in the, the, the culture, and I don't know how yours was, you know, with Oklahoma and then Wyoming was the talk was don't step into that. But if you happen to step in that, don't tell anybody. Because then you got to, you, you hide, you become a really good hider. Because mm-hmm. if you did do that, that means you're not a good person. And that means you fell and that means you made bad choices. And so instead of confession or instead of help, you hide and get really good at hiding. You know, that, that was kind of what our experience was, my experience was. So you By the really way, you good. guys
2: reminded me earlier. I, I'm telling this cause I think it's funny. So this was 1986, 87 I moved to Bartlesville my senior year. Mm -hmm. I stayed.
0: So you stayed with your grandparents. Because
2: I had such a good experience, a good summer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Gigi ended up not working out.
1: (laughs) But did Buffy Um, work out? That's what I want to know.
2: So Buffy and I are Facebook friends. Gigi and I are Facebook friends too. Cool. Um, And they're both happily married, as as am I. Um, (laughs) But what did stick was this new interest in religious spirituality, God, Uh jesus yeah and but early on that year um there's one of my new friends at the the time was concerned about my music Mm. and it was like bon jovi and twisted sister i mean it was Mm. 1980s rock yeah and he made this pact with me and i think he probably felt like god was leading him to do this for every cassette that i would throw away he would replace it with a comparable Christian band. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's, and I, That's a big ass. I remember saying to him, his name's Scott. I said, no way. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Um, he later became chief of staff to John Kasich, the governor of oh, Ohio. wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're in touch now. And, we, and And he's embarrassed
1: about this story. That's funny. <laughs> um, That's really interesting. I think the, the movement in the 80s, 90s, it, it probably still goes on today a little bit, but like you go to an activity, a youth activity, and our our church didn't do this, but a lot of my friends did. They would have like a barrel in the back with fire. And if you would bring your toss CDs it. or tapes, you could oh toss them in the gosh. fire. Yeah. And so I have friends that would buy the same tape dozens of times because they get a conscience, throw it in the fire, and then be like, yep. oh, I really want that tape, and they go buy it again. And so it was just this cycle of tape burning. Which <laughs> is kind of funny. Well, but
2: you, have you guys listened mm. to music today? Oh yeah. I mean, this is where I'm starting to feel old. I know. I um, don't get it.
1: Some of it I don't get.
2: Yeah, there's a thing here at school where we sell donuts on Friday mornings for um some kids in a school in Uganda and we play music as they're coming in. You know, it's mm-hmm. Friday. You
1: know. So you're doing 80, I, you're doing 80s rock.
2: And I'm doing 80s rock. <laughs> and, and one of the kids <laughs> will the, say to me My kids like 80s rock, actually. They'll, they'll say, Hey, play it. something current. And I'll be like, Okay, so I'll get my phone out and I'll pull up my you know Apple music and I'll come to the top
1: you Man. know
2: 100 and I'll say what of this can we play and they're like oh
1: yeah it's all explicit yeah it's E-E-E-E-E-E. yeah it's it's so different yeah. it is
0: different my son likes to listen to rap songs and yeah. they're just full of uh, words that you cannot say again but yeah. then the music is just such ingrained it's so ingrained yeah. the words the language the way they speak the the poetic way that things rhyme it's just so ingrained in the music.
2: There's some rappers that are, are who try to avoid that oh, explicit, yeah. you know, like Chance the Rapper, and <laughs> um, but I'm not up to speed right now on what they. I, are, I couldn't even tell you. Are. I
1: just know in the '90s when uh, Slim Shady or Eminem came out, it was he was so fascinating to me that I I consumed a lot of his stuff because I, I I was fascinated by him because he was. He seemed like a lost soul, but then he claimed to be, uh, he knew Jesus supposedly. And so it was like this interesting dynamic and uh, him, Michael Jackson, of course, just being just, and I didn't really get exposed to him until later because in my home, we didn't really listen to music. I think my parents listened to the Carpenters or something like that, you know, and then Christian stuff had my
2: brother had a friend who was nazarene whose parents didn't let him listen to any secular music Mm. and the the closest he could get is he they let him have elvis's uh, hymns Hymns. (laughs) and so we went over to his house one afternoon and he had hidden under his bed Mm. not any dirty magazines but alice cooper's album Mm. one of alice cooper and this is
1: what i'm talking about that culture you get what you want and so you end up hiding and no one really knows who you are. Oh, right. And I think that's mm-hmm. where my whole point of this guilt, but then it ties to shame and then you hide. And mm-hmm. so hiding it on the bed, you know, music or um, art or or language or anything, yeah. anything like that. And so it's it's really it's frustrating because, you know, I, I went off to college. I went to Bible college and I, like we had finally kind of sped up and we're listening. I was listening to like the Beatles, not the Beatles too much, but the Beach Boys. And my parent, my mom was from Southern California or lived there. So the Beach Boys and then, you know, uh, just some like 70s, 60s, 70s music. Well then I got to college and they banned that. And I was like, well, this is mild. What are you talking about? Yeah. And they were like, no, you gotta listen to Christian music. Well the Christian music they were listening to was was modern Christian music. And I was like I was all confused. You know what I'm saying? So I, I went back. Do you remember that album? Uh, My Utmost First Highest came back out, came out in the 90s. Well, there was a book. There was a book. And then there was a, a song list that, oh, or like yeah. a like a CD that came with it or a tape that came with it. I bought that and I thought I was a rebel and a half. And it was it's so mild. I listen to it now and I'm like... Whoa. But right. back then, it seemed really aggressive, you know? Well, we, when we all. were
2: setting up for the podcast, I, I'm reading Bono's yeah. autobiography you too. And they were one of those bridge bands
1: yeah well you have like Petra and you have yeah uh do you ever listen to uh Striper oh yeah so Striper still is a big deal that Central was America the,
2: right that was the band that Scott <laughs> aforementioned friend in high school if <laughs> I traded. threw if I threw away Bon Jovi <laughs> he was going to replace it
1: with Striper <laughs> those guys are crazy even to this day and they got great voices I mean that's uh, Swift is it Swift Mike Swift or whatever Matt Swift whatever his Matt, name Sweet. May, Matt Sweet yeah man great voice <laughs> But he still tours Costa Rica. They go almost every year. So I do
2: a thing now at the church where I... So I'm here at the school Monday through Friday, but on Sundays I'm at St. Paul's Cathedral downtown. And I started this thing once a month. It's called High Fidelity. Hmm. And the, what we do is we take music that is written... Um, it's not written by Christians, but it's infused with religious imagery. Hmm. And... We sort of listen to that music, then we kind of do like a theological assessment or, or, uh, yeah, that's not the right
1: word, but yeah, I can dissect it and look and see what's there. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and it's been curious. The, the, there's a couple artists, like, there's the Oklahoma songwriter, John Fulbright, um, who's so good, he's mm-hmm. such a fantastic writer, and his music is just replete with religious imagery. Hmm. But in interviews, he's adamant that he's not religious at all. Interesting. And so the question is, well, okay, then why are you using the hmm. the, the hmm. stuff? Yeah. I like it. Um, I mean, that's where I'm at now as, as a 54-year-old very guy. interesting.
1: Yeah. Might be a little dark, but did you ever watch The Walking Dead?
2: I never did, you... did get into that show. So the
1: very first couple seasons, there was so much religious yeah. imagery. Just the end times, apocalypse, zombies, that. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I we would... I wasn't watching it, but I was in Costa Rica and I was picking up students and volunteers and we'd go early to church to set up and just get things ready. And all the every Sunday on the way to church, they'd be having this conversation about The Walking Dead and it started driving me crazy because I was like, these people aren't thinking. And so I began watching it and then I would take out imagery, like religious imagery or spiritual imagery. And so I would change the conversation on the way to church to say, "Hey, did you guys see this? What do you think about this?" Right. And it was just so we started a Facebook group, and our conversations every Sunday was Walking Dead in the Bible. <laughs> and so it was really fun because it was like it a took, thing. It it became a thing, and so it became this like it could be a podcast. And it was fun. It actually was fun. Was probably there <laughs> pro- probably are podcasts it. out there. Yeah, I got out of it once it got it got kind of weird, but I got I, I, I watched by five seasons in mm-hmm. it. And mainly I watched it so I could have that conversation with those Yeah, the
2: the chaplain before me here. Mm -hmm. I remember. He
1: was
0: into The Walking Dead.
1: Yeah. Probably for that reason. But there's a lot of cultural stuff, like Lost. I don't know if you ever watched Lost. Did you watch Lost?
0: A little bit, not a whole lot.
1: Very frustrating show, but a lot of that was religious imagery as well. Just spiritual imagery.
2: So the question,
0: you know, youth group
2: on kind of a generic level is good in the sense that it it gives community in a place of sort of general accountability. If you if, if you got a kid who's making making dumb decisions, right, then maybe there's peers who are saying, slow your roll. Yeah. Um, but you also are asking the questions of like ultimate meaning and why am I here? And I think mm-hmm. if you don't have church and you're a kid, the main place that that probably happens is English class.
1: Mm. right mm. when you're reading a short story or novel mm. never really thought about that yeah
2: or history history class
1: yeah
0: or even maybe for uh, for us we have a lot of these conversations around the house with like the values and kind of looking at uh, looking at what happens in the world. I bring a lot of kind of my patient experience to the house and we we talk about it a lot so we we talk about kind of what is the meaning around like actions and things like that so i feel like it could be in any context i feel like these questions that we ask the curiosity and meaning making is just being human yeah just being kind of human and i think there's this real thirst for wanting to understand wanting to make sense is part of our humanity.
2: Do your kids ever say, mom, quit your, you're psychoanalyzing me.
0: They psychoanalyze me back now. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And and they can, they get, they can give it as good as they get. So I don't think I'm winning. I'm I'm not trying to win, but they are pretty good at, uh, at convincing me that somehow I've got it wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, Swapna, about the values, things you talked about. What, what are some values that you grew up with and, and experience that you're in the States and, and do they all work or are some that you're like, oh that doesn't quite work here. Like as you're discovering, cause your kids are like, we talked about last time, they're kind of, they're growing up as Americans, but mm-hmm. they, you know, they are third culture. And so are there any values that you grew up with that are, that are conflicting or different?
0: Uh, Values. I think being really part of a community and extended family was a huge value. Mm. That's a little bit harder here because yeah. you don't have that extended family network if you are if you are an immigrant. But that was a huge value and so it was more kind of collectivism, like really think of everyone and mm. maybe partly being a woman as well. I feel like that's you got to respect elders and the plan may not work for you individually but you're just going along because that's the plan for the family and that's a little bit different now with children i feel like they are they have a plan that works for them and that's their preference and it's harder for me to convince them that you that it doesn't it, that it can be a family plan like you don't really have to be entertained and that mm. also comes from having a device that's so immediately gratifying it's like this sugar rush sugar rush sugar rush sugar rush so it's harder
2: you mean the affirmation they get by pleasing the family system oops
0: no Sorry. the 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 I was talking about like an iphone iphone uh, <laughs> it's distracting it's distracting because to just it's the
1: simple being a family because sometimes being a family growing up you probably experienced this too it was boring sometimes but you didn't think about it as boring
0: Yes, you just got you used to... You thought about it as, this is
1: what our family does. We're going to play games. We're going to...
0: It's boring, you know, yes. Play outside the boring or parts whatever. Yeah, yeah. Of life, we're much more part of life now because yeah. you have an option of not being bored and constantly entertained. Yeah. That, I feel, is a very different world we live in.
1: I like that you said the collective because I think that's international. The United States must be still experiencing the original founding of the immigrants because... I think there is less collective thought here than internationally. So you have a community collective where you're just a piece of this big thing and you don't matter a lot. You could, but there's a lot of standout people. But in America, we don't think that way. Um, And I think Jesus changed that. I I think he made the collective individual, and and that's the difference. I think that's a kind of a monumental value change was that, um, you know, growing up, maybe I was just part of this big thing. And yet Jesus would say, you're important. You, individually, are important. And I have a plan for you. And so that's Mm -hmm. kind of a shift, you know, from the collective mindset. But I think collective culture is more international than the United States. I don't think we think of ourselves that way. We're very individualistic. Individualistic, Mm yeah. And we almost take pride
0: in that, right? Oh, yeah. Pursuit of happiness, liberty, justice, pursuit. So it's a very individual. But I think
1: it's in the founding because it's all a bunch of immigrants. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I think that's really like with the unsettling feeling that you guys have to have that extended family is what generations have experienced even though there are big families here now but i think that's still ingrained in that individualistic pursuit you know
0: and you know immigrants are a particular kind of people because we immig- we immigrate because we we crave for what we don't have in our in our home country yeah. so maybe there is an innate drive to be more individualistic to be more exploratory and leave what is safe and confound like confirming to the collectivism yeah. so I did not like being uh, bogged down by the rules and <laughs> lots of unsaid things and so I found it freeing to actually be part of a different country When I came, it fits your
1: personality, really,
0: for sure. And now I'm going back full circle to really appreciating the values of the culture and all of that. Yeah. But when I started, it was not like that. If
2: you were still in India, would it be as okay and easy for you to be a physician?
0: Yes, for sure. Yes, yes, yes. So for so we, my mother's side comes from a physician family. Like my grandfather was a physician. My maternal land, a a physician. Woman, I As that, Yeah, maternal yeah, yeah. land. Like my mother. But m- you still sister. had a role
1: though as a woman. For sure. Even though you were educated, even though you're a doctor, yes, physician. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: And yeah. my yeah, so I had a physician, dentist in my family. And
1: uh, And you were supposed to be a brain surgeon, right?
0: I could have been uh, <laughs> more than... So cardiologist or a neurologist had definitely much more of an official physician ring than a psychiatrist. Yeah. But my dad is convinced. Like it took some years. <laughs> In the beginning, it was like, what, this is not real medicine.
1: You're dissecting brains just differently.
0: Yes, yes. It's fuzzier. Not with it's a scalpel. It's way fuzzier.
2: <laughs> and Well, you and I've joked. I mean, I, Ray, I think we've talked about it. Swapna and I both... I don't even know how it came up. I think it's because she she would come to chapel when her sons were little
0: because uh-huh. it
2: was at the end of the day. And she would see me in my talks trying to be funny, mm. trying to get the kids to laugh. And we found out about each other that we both secretly want to be comedians. Yep. yep. Me as an Episcopal priest and her as a psychiatrist. And we both think we're funny.
0: We both, we we both believe we are funnier than the other.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I heard about that from, from Swapna when I first met her.
2: But one of the things I was, I was telling you about this comedian, Hassan Minhaj, who's Muslim, but he's from, I think he's from Pakistan.
0: Uh, Yeah. I don't know where he's from. Anyway,
2: he, and he has a bit that he does, he calls it brown love. (laughs) He said, if you want to know what he says, there's unconditional love in, in my family. He said, but unconditional in my family is you will be a doctor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how you get unconditional love. Those are,
0: those are
1: like uh,
0: rules of life that work out and you don't really need to challenge them because they but have But that's worked that collective, out. that yeah. power, yeah. that yeah. Culture the collective of the family. power of like really con- having you conform to a particular way of living because it's cultural and it's has been going on for centuries and that's what works it cha- changes but not 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 i mean it does change from and i centuries. think that's the
1: the the world looks like the united states as a bunch of rebels and mavericks because that's here you're supposed to be you're supposed to make make a name for yourself although mm-hmm. so it is different
2: well so i will tell you i I may be overstating this. I want to say that I am overstating this.
1: Yeah, we always overstate things on this yes. podcast, so it's okay. It's okay.
2: <laughs> when we have students come into our class who are Hindu, Indian, um, we sort of feel like ah, they're going to be like they're going to crush it. They're going to be fine because because most of them come from this this family culture that says mm. that, that we're Bs. The
1: a, a B grade. Yep. Is
0: a failing grade. Is a failing <laughs> yeah, grade. An
1: yeah. F, yeah. That was my mom too. Where'd she come from? <laughs> Is that true?
0: Yeah.
1: Um,
2: now that's there's exceptions to that, but yeah.
0: usually it, it susses out. Yeah, yeah. They're very serious about their A's. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our podcast, believe it or not.
0: I cannot believe it. Again. Again, we feel like we just started talking and yeah. just started settling down into a rhythm of talking.
1: Yeah. It was really enjoyable again. So I guess that um. means you're going to be the The first repeat, repeat, repeat. No guest. (laughs) So maybe we should just have you as a partner on the podcast, and then we'll be done with it. That way, we can interview other people. You know, (laughs) means
2: honoring God. Is it? Yeah.
1: Cool.
0: That's so cool.
1: Which part? Timothy. Timothy. Yeah. I was going to say Tim Sean. That's pretty fascinating. I don't know what
2: Sean is Gaelic for John. I don't know what the meaning of John is.
1: No. Timothy, that's good.
0: Well. Thank you for yes. just sitting down and talking and uh, freeing this time to explore ideas that uh, that are hard to explore in this day-to-day busyness of life. So I'm, yeah. I'm really excited we can do this. I
1: really thought we were going to do music. So we're going to have to do just an yeah. exclusively music episode ah. with Tim Sean Humans. That way we can like just have you play a bunch of music because I... I, I have a link in the show notes of the last one where people can go find your band uh, camp. Your band camp. Yeah. And so I'd like to do an episode where we just talk about music and why. Because you're a writer. So you have stuff that oh, you've yeah. written. And that'd right. be really interesting to do. So that that means we'll have to have you come back. I don't know when. Six months, three months, month, next week. I don't know. We'll have you come back. We'll
0: we'll, we'll do that. I yeah. love the October the song October. It really Super spoke good. spoke to me. But I've listened to the
1: the Right, because we the were circle. talking
2: about how life... Yeah. your whole place that's, in your life shifts yep. in
1: the way that you see yourself well in the circle compared to a square right and so that's really fascinating but well this has been good this is a dreams and hope podcast this is Ray and Swapna and once again remember um, thank you for listening and give us a rating you know it would help us get the word out and we're getting our we're kind of getting our podcast legs if you want to put it like that trying to figure out how this thing works and, and it's, been, it's been a lot of fun so thank you very much
0: thank you